preached to a little congregation way back out in the woods, and it snowed one day. I know y'all have probably heard this before. It snowed one day. It snowed so bad that nobody but one fella could make it to church that morning. Just It was the preacher and that one guy. And uh, he said, well, uh, I guess you're here to hear a sermon, so we'll get busy. And so the preachers led the singing, and he he handed out the Lord's Supper, and he uh, he said the prayer, and he <laughs> gave him the sermon. And buddy, he preached. He preached harder than he never preached in his whole life. He preached so hard. And when he got through and said the closing prayer, he said, well, what would you think? And the uh, fellow said, you know, when I go squirrel hunting, and I only see one squirrel. I don't give him both barrels. <laughs> both barrels. Anyway, I'm not a real good joke teller, sorry. We're few in numbers. My point is, we are fewer in number today. And I don't plan on giving you both barrels. Sammy said he walked out here limping this morning. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't, wasn't intending for everybody to walk out here limping, but... But uh, maybe it was just Sammy. Maybe it's just you, Sammy. I don't know. What's the coldest thing you've ever heard? I mean, some. I mean, the put down, cold boy. I mean, that was. You hear it and you go, ooh, ooh. oh, that was cold. That was cold. Here are the top three telemarketer put downs compiled by telemarketers. Y'all know who telemarketers are? Those guys that call you at nine o'clock at night just before you're about to go to bed and. They want to sell you something, wanting you to give money to something, wanting you to, to invest in this, right? So if anybody knows a good put-down, it would be a telemarketer. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Here's number three. I can't believe they let people like you talk to people like me. <laughs> that was actually said to a telemarketer. Here's number two. When you're fired, which you will be, I hope you remember me being the reason... <laughs> That's pretty cold, isn't it? Here's number one. Son, you need to go to church this Sunday and ask God to forgive you for your career choice. That's pretty sad too, isn't it? But if you want cold, it's harder it's hard to go colder than the man of God in Judges chapter three. Turn your Bibles to, to Judges chapter three. Judges chapter three, beginning with verse twelve. This is what our young people learned this morning. We started this in our, our adult class this morning as well. Judges chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. I have an outline of this sermon. I didn't make uh, handouts today because uh, Bible Bowl was pressing me. And so uh, I, I put these on the, on the bulletin. So if you've got a bulletin, you can look on the back. It shows the scriptures that are coming up. Judges chapter 3, verse 12. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, on the screen, if you remember this morning, remember the lesson of, of Israel's cycle of faith, how they would sin in the Judges, the book of Judges. God would get angry. They would be given to their enemies. The people would repent. The people would cry. A judge would be given. Uh, and and then there would be peace for a while. Then the judge would die, and the people would go back into into sin uh, uh, again. And that's what's happening here. The people have gone back in to sin again, and uh, the Lord's anger 
is made known, and, and, and the Lord is teaching the Lord is teaching the children of Israel a lesson. Teaching them a lesson. Then he gathered to himself the people of Amnon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel, and took possession of the city of Palms. Now Moab, if you remember, we talked about this that this morning in the in the uh, in class. Moab was on the east side of the Jordan River, and the first place King Eglon strikes is what used to be Jericho. So the very first battle won by Joshua has now been lost because of the sin of the people. Verse 14. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. So for 18 years, the children of Israel served this king. The once and mighty children of Israel had now been, been humbled. Verse 15. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. When the children of Israel, when they paid tribute to Moab, to the king of Moab, the tribute was sent by this left-handed Benjamite, Ehud. God chose Ehud to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. Now, verse 16. Now, Ehud made himself a, a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length, and it fastened under his clothes on his right thigh. Ehud made a double-edged 18-inch dagger. He straps it to his right thigh so that he can, he can grab it with his left hand, uh, carried the American Left-Handed Society, that's the na- actual name of it, American Left-Handed Society, loudly crowed. The left-handed in batting, the left-handed in pitching, the left-handed in boxing, the left-handed in fighting, they have an advantage because it's easier to be sneaky. People don't expect a quick attack to come from someone's left hand. Kerry uh, was uh, lamenting some of the things uh, that happens to left-handers uh, this morning. He has a weed eater, and it looks. he says, people have got to think it looks weird when I go down my driveway by the way I hold my... Weed here because it's built for a right-handed guy. And uh, he's got to go left-handed down the driveway. So you think there's a lot of things that are tougher for lefties, but one of the things that's not tough is they can be sneakier than a right-handed guy because everybody's right-handed and they expect to come from the right hand. So he, verse 17, he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. Now, Eglon may have been quick to reach for that time's version of Kentucky Fried Chicken, but he wasn't going anywhere fast. I think uh, more of a jab of the hut. I showed that picture this morning. More of a jab of the hut kind of guy, kind of a man. Verse 18, when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute, but he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. Ehud was about to utter, I want you to read this with me. He's about to utter some of the coldest words you've ever heard. I mean, this is cold. This is cold. Verse 20. And Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in this cool private chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right hand, and thrust it into his belly. Even to the hilt went in it after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade. For he did not draw the dagger out of its belly, and his entrails came out. 
Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. That was cold, wasn't it? Wasn't that cold? When Ehud stated, I have a message from God for you, and then stabs him with a two-sided blade, that's cold. Here's a message from God for you. And it went all the way in the guy, 18 inches. That's pretty cold. And I had to directly think. I directly thought about God's Word when I read that. How God's Word can cut out the fat in our lives and more. God's Word always gets to the heart of things. God's Word always gets to the center of things. Gets to the marrow and the bone. Uh, Timothy was charged, we're charged to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the Word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. So, so what does it mean to preach the Word? What does that mean? It, well, in Acts chapter 8, the, the scattered after Stephen's death and, and Philip, they're, they're a perfect example for what it means to preach the Word. Acts chapter 8, verse 4, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the Word. So, okay, here they go. They're scattered, and they're going everywhere preaching the Word. Okay, everyone's preaching the Word. Verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. So preaching the Word and preaching Christ is the same thing, see? Now, now Philip preached Christ, so, so verse eight, verse, chapter 8, verse 12 when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Philip preached the word, Philip preached Christ, and Philip preached the kingdom. So preaching the word is the same as preaching Christ and, and preaching the kingdom. Verse eight, Chapter 8, verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. By the time he gets to the Ethiopian eunuch, we understand a little more about what it means to preach the Word. The Word, Christ, Kingdom, preaching Jesus. This is the sharp, two-edged sword that we could, with which we can convince, rebuke, and exhort. The sword, the Word, is powerful. Without it, we can't have faith. Now, why is that important? Why well, it's important to have faith? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So we've got to have faith or we can't be pleasing to Almighty God. So, so we need faith. You know, I want lots of faith. I want to be really pleasing to God, don't you? John chapter 6, verse 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, if we just stop right there, we stop right there, we can make up all kinds of man-made doctrines. I just stopped at that verse. And so many have. But how does God draw somebody? How does God draw someone? Verse 45, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes from me. The therefore is therefore how we are drawn. We have heard and we have learned from the Father. How do we do that? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 
The Word of God is so powerful. We hear and we learn by God's Word, and God draws us to Him by His Word, and our faith increases. And so, Acts chapter 15 and verse 9, our hearts are purified. We look at the lost around us. We look at the lost around us and the million dollar question is, how do we convert the lost to Jesus with, with just words? Jesus quotes the prophets, Matthew chapter 13 verse 15, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Isn't that, isn't that what's happening to those around us? Billy Joe and I were talking before, before services and, and uh, he's got somebody that he's working on again uh, to come and, and, and visit with us and maybe attend here. You know, but the majority of the people, Billy Joe, that you talk to, they just really don't want to hear it, do they? It's really hard. That's a really hard thing to do. But that still doesn't mean that we should give up, does it? No, it doesn't. It says their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have closed. It's, it's really hard to discuss anything with somebody like that. It really is. My little sister, Rianne, when we were little and we'd be sitting down around the dinner table, and when she was sitting in a high chair, you know what her thing was when she got mad? You know what she would do? If she didn't want to eat something or she didn't want to talk about something, she would just close her eyes. It's hard to deal with a child that just closes her eyes. And we just ignore and go on. But, I mean, she, she, didn't want, she wasn't going to communicate with us. Now, it's really hard to discuss anything with somebody like that that closes their eyes. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. God's Word is the means that we use to convert people. That's the only means we have. It's not by my winning personality that anybody's going to be saved. That's not how anybody's going to be saved. It's only by God's Word, God, the Gospel of God that comes out in words. We have to tell it. How are, we, how are we sanctified? How are, how are we made holy and free from sin? Well, John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is powerful. It, it sanctifies us. It, it makes us, makes us holy. How are we made clean? Well, John 15, verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. God's word can make us clean. This is not some incantation, you know, it's not some incantation that's spoken over you or by you. You can't just read the words of the Bible and magically be saved. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the Word of God is so powerful that one can read, one can understand, one can believe that Word, one can obey that Word, and they'll obey God. The Word of God does so much for those who want to obey it. James chapter 1, verse 21 says this, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. The Word is able to save your souls. Why? Just by me reading it? No, that's not it. By me reading it, understanding it, and obeying it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil state speaking, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. 
those babies that we that we love and you grandparents and you you parents you kiss on and you love on and all those of you who are aunts and uncles who love uncles who love your little little baby nephews and nieces they desire milk they have to have milk they need milk we as we as Christians we should desire that pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby it's by God's word that we grow our obedience to the Word is how, we, how we're saved, and our obedience to the Word is how we grow. Looking at Acts chapter 20, verse 32, it says, so, so now then, brethren, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among, those, among all those who are sanctified. Notice here in Acts 20, verse 32, that God's Word, it prepares us for heaven. We are built by the Word. We are, we are fitted, uh, King James Version says, we're fitted to work in the heavenly home that God has prepared us. Not work, but we work. We fit in. We, we're, we fit. To do this, we've got to cut out the fat. We've got to cut out the fat. But many times we hide that, that powerful sword of the, of the Word of God by being content to be exposed to it maybe four hours out of seven days? I mean, if that's all we're exposing ourselves to God's powerful Word, just the times that we come in here, well, we're not using its full power. We've got to get into, into God's Word. Using the Word of God to reach the lost gets pushed aside so many times by our wants and, and our desires. But if we can just use God's Word, the Gospel, the, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's God's power to save man. And we can, be, we can just basically tell our friends about that. King Eglon, he had received tribute from Israel. And his greed made him drop his guard and want more so that the powerful knife was buried in his body we may need to make a drastic change in, in our lives by allowing the Word of God to penetrate us, penetrate us to, to the marrow in our bones. John chapter 8, verse 51, Most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Now think about that. If we keep God's Word, we will never see death. But it's, it's appointed for all men to die once, then the judgment, correct? So what's he mean there? It means that we shall never die. He means exactly what he says. We'll go to heaven. We will never die if we keep his Word. I love Psalm chapter 1, talking about God's Word. If you'll turn there, Psalm chapter 1, the whole chapter. Not Psalm chapter 1, Psalm 1. Let me say it correctly. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6 are just a beautiful, beautiful song, a beautiful poem of, of how God's Word really does stand in our lives if we're willing to obey it. Psalm 1, I begin with verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. 
He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly should not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. How will we know? How can we know the way of the righteous? Well, by God's Word. God knows that way. He's prepared that way. He's given us that way. We can read about it in His Word. The coldest words you'll ever hear are yet to be heard. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. These are the coldest words yet to be heard. They're going to be uttered one of these days. And everyone here has time to make sure that they never hear the words that words of Jesus when he says to many. He's going to say this to many at the end time, at the day of judgment. Matthew 7, verse 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Everyone who hears that, I'm sure a, a cold chill is going to run down their back. Everyone who hears that, I'm, I'm sure, will, will uh, break out into a sweat. Will not understand what's going on. Will be amazed that so quickly their eternity, their life has ended and their eternity in hell has begun. Those would be some cold words to hear. So resolve to pick up your Bible and study 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse, chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be, be ready. Be resolved to pick up your Bible and study. Make sure that you come to God's powerful word. 2 Timothy 3.15 You have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. How do we get more faith? We get it through God's Word. And that, that can lead to our salvation. If we'll, just, we'll just take the time. Take the time to, to, to hear God's Word, understand it, and obey. There may be someone here tonight. I know we're in a lower crowd, but there may be someone here tonight who, who knows they need to obey God's Word. You know what you need to do to be a Christian. It's been told to you time and time and time again. You know exactly what you need to do. If you believe God, why not just go ahead, repent, confess, and be baptized? If you're ready to repent of your sins and live a Christian life, why not just go ahead and confess Lord Jesus and, and, and be baptized? If you're if you're ready, if you if you believed enough to where that you are ready to repent, why don't you just go ahead and confess? Confess His name tonight and be baptized in Jesus Christ. Why are you waiting? For those of you who have maybe have been lax in, in your reading of God's Word, and your study of God's Word, and maybe your faith is a little weak, I'm not wanting you to come forward tonight, but I am wanting you to climb into your Bibles. Get your Bibles. Get your own copy. Make sure you've got one handy wherever you go, and that you can, you can get into God's Word and, and understand what God's will is for you. If we can help you in any way tonight, won't you come? As together we stand and sing.